Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Friday. We have done it. We are here. The weekend is upon us. We all should celebrate. We all should celebrate. But before we do that, I want you to sit back. I want you to relax wherever you are, in your car, on the treadmill, walking your dog, doesn't matter. And I want you to tune in for the next 30-plus minutes as we're going to give you nothing but black and gold goodness. That's right, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are underway with OTAs. A lot of news is coming out, and the new GM. We have a lot to discuss here, people. We have a lot to talk about. Before we get to that, I always remind you, in case you stumbled upon this podcast somewhere else, like the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, on Twitter, all you have to do is go wherever you like to get your podcast: Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora. I'm sure there's others that I don't even know exist. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, you'll find us. Do whatever you have to do based on the platform to make sure that you get every single show. On Monday through Friday, we give you three shows. On the weekends, we still provide content. You don't want to miss any of it. I guarantee you don't want to miss any of it. And so there's a lot of good stuff happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of news happening. I am going to talk about the new general manager hire of Omar Khan in the second half of this show. That's going to be in lieu of random thoughts. Uh, I just felt that there was so much discussion happening surrounding the hiring of Omar Khan. I said, I got to give it its own segment. Now, in the first half, though, and what I titled this podcast was based on just me reading comments on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, me also being as active as I can on social media with Twitter and reading what people are saying and what they're thinking about the Steelers. And I know that's just a fraction of the fan base, but still I try and everyone else behind the steel curtain tries to keep our finger on the pulse of this fan base. We have to think about what you're thinking and and try to somehow, some way get it to the point where we're delivering the goods and it's going to be indicative of what most of the fans are actually thinking. And I am still stunned The Steelers just wrapped up their third day, their final day of this week. Week one of OTAs is in the books on Thursday. They just wrapped it up, and there's still people that are overreacting. There's still people that are trying to connect these proverbial dots. They're trying to draw some major conclusions. And so my title that I chose for this podcast is Please Stop with the Overreaction During Steelers OTAs. We still have two more weeks of this stuff. Two more weeks of OTAs before mandatory minicamp shows up, and we as a fan base need to do better. I mean, let's be honest. We need to stop reading into everything so much. Stop the OTA overreaction. I'm going to quote Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin spoke to the media, I believe it was Tuesday, either before or after the first day of organized team activities, phase three. And he said, quote, no one will win or lose a job in May, end quote. That's right. Head coach, Mike Tomlin. And he said it. I couldn't have said it better myself. And he didn't have to use any fancy words or anything like that. He didn't have to talk about painting barns red or jumping on moving trains. All he had to say was that no one is going to win or lose a job in these organized team activities, which, in case you forgot, are completely voluntary. Yet, 
even though he said that, there are people out there that are just really trying to grasp at straws. So I was like, okay, let's talk about these talking points. We'll put it that way. It's okay for us to discuss what's happening at OTAs. There are things that you can draw from organized team activities, like who's in attendance, who's not. Uh, You might say, wow, that was a phenomenal catch along the sideline. I don't think that in in the large scheme of things that we should be drawing any major conclusions. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Everyone wants to talk about the quarterbacks, and you've heard everything from Mason Rudolph supporters are kind of getting a little bit louder. Wow, Mason Rudolph might be getting an illegitimate shot. Okay, great, that's fine. There's been the Mitch Trubisky fans riding the Trubisky train, and they're saying, all right, Mitch is the guy. He's QB1. Then there's the Kenny Pickett fan base. They're all about, hey, Kenny Pickett needs to get his shot. He'll earn it. He'll win it. He's the number one draft pick. Now, Chris Oladokun, sorry, you don't have many fans, if any at all, right now in this race. But still, the hierarchy of the quarterbacks, you cannot overreact to watching a 10-second clip that came from someone that's at practice. That's anyone. Chris Adamski of the Tribune Review. Brian Batko of the Post-Gazette. Mark Caballi of The Athletic, Christopher Carter, whoever it is, you cannot overreact to watching them throw a pass, leave the drill, the next one comes in. You just can't overreact to it. When the Steelers get to training camp and you're there live or you're watching or talking with someone that's there live, that's a different story. Who do they have running with the ones? The preseason comes around. Who gets the starting repetitions? That's going to be important. But right now in OTAs, that's not important at all. Some have even gone as far as to looking at performance in these videos. Again, this is all based on the clips that are put out there on Twitter. On Tuesday, they were everywhere. So many clips because all the media were there. Day one of OTAs. And this happens every year. The media contingent just slowly dwindles by day. And by the time you get to Thursday, you're only talking about the usual suspects that are there providing content for the fans. And so it definitely doesn't, it's not as strong as it was on that Tuesday. But people are looking at these passes that are being thrown by quarterbacks. Oh, Trubisky's arm looks great. Why? Because he threw a wheel route to a running back in the flat? That's what makes his arm look great? Come on. I mean, I could probably go out there, give me a practice jersey, give me a helmet, I could do a three-step drop, plant my back foot, fire a football, and you'd say, wow, his arm looks great. I could do that. But again, let's not overreact to performance. Yeah, there's probably pressure on these quarterbacks. They don't want to make a mistake, whether it's physical or mental. They don't want to have passes being thrown all over the place. They know that they're being watched, but we as fans can't really understand what that performance aspect looks like, especially at the quarterbacks. Let's go to the offensive line. It's another position everyone's talking about. Oh my goodness, Mason Cole got first reps at center. Yeah, I would expect him to get the first reps at center. Not only was he a free agent addition, they've already seen what Kendrick Green did last season. They know kind of his capabilities, and they are giving him reps at center still. Mason Cole is new to the organization. Let's see what this guy can do in terms of his above-the-neck, basically, as Mike Tomlin would say, his above-the-neck ability. How is he absorbing the playbook? Things like that. Also, you know, Kendrick Green playing at left guard. Oh, is this going to be a camp competition between Green and Kevin Dotson? And that's this has literally been debated on the internet. And I, I don't want to go into like what Yin's talking about territory where they just start going off about the fans and who they're talking about and all that stuff. But really, in reality, Kendrick Green, I said this in an article that I wrote this week, for him it should be the more you can do, the better. 
the more you can do. If Kevin Dotson has proven anything since he entered the league, it's a couple things, actually. Number one, the Steelers are not sold on him. Some call it a motivational tactic. Some might say that they are just aren't sold on him. The second thing that you can count on with Kevin Dotson, he's probably going to get banged up. So if you're Kendrick Green, you're thinking, okay, I'm trying to win this starting center job. I'm trying to beat out Mason Cole. I don't care if he's a free agent pickup. I'm trying to win that job. That is my job. But if I don't win that job, I need to be ready to play guard because there's a good chance that Kendrick or that Kevin Dotson is not going to make it a full 17 games, and that could be get, could give me a shot to prove myself there. If you're if you're Kendrick Green, you just want to play. You just want to play. Give me a shot to play. The more you can do. And then people were even talking about swing tackle. You're not seeing pass rushes here. You're not seeing T.J. Watt go up against a Joe Haig or a Chaz Green or a Dan Moore or a Chukwuma Korafor. You're not seeing Alex Highsmith. They're working on their craft, but they're not doing one-on-ones. If so, it's not 100%. They're not wearing pads. It's a moot point, in my opinion. Don't overreact to OTAs. Next, the running backs. I talked about this on Wednesday. The clip of... It was that check down drill, basically. The quarterbacks dropped back. The running backs did just a simple little uh, wheel route on the interior. They got hit with a pass. They planted their foot and went down the field. Anthony McFarland slipped, and oh my goodness, everyone freaked out. And again, just like the hierarchy with the quarterbacks, you cannot draw a ton of conclusions just by watching, let's say, the running backs go through the bags and running drills that way. Eddie Faulkner, the running back coach, he he has a some crazy drills that he has his players do. But the one thing you can't do is you can't look at, okay, Najee went first. We know he's first. But then, oh, my goodness, Anthony McFarlane went next, and then an undrafted rookie free agent, and then all of a sudden, Benny Snow went in there. Does that mean that Anthony McFarlane is number two now? No, it doesn't. It means that he might have just been next in line. That That's it. It, it could literally be that simple. The running backs, just like the outside linebackers that I just spoke about, they're not wearing pads. They're not hitting anyone. If anything, right now, they are working on conditioning. They're working on vision. They're working on their hands. They're blocking. Uh, that type of stuff. Ball security, that's what they're working on. You're not going to glean anything from a performance standpoint from the running backs. Lastly, though, the wide receivers. I personally, I try to keep a really good grasp on what's being put out there on Twitter. And I've said this a million times before. The Pittsburgh Steelers refuse to acknowledge BehindTheSteelCurtain.com as a viable outlet. Therefore, we are never allowed to go to these places. So we are considered a, or what I consider us, as a secondhand news source. We are never the ones breaking the news. We will cover the news from those that can break the news. So we, Behind the Steel Curtain, have to rely on others in the video that they're putting out to help bolster our own product. I hope that makes sense. It's not our fault. It's just the, it's just the simple nature of the business. Now, when I say that I haven't seen a lot of video of the receivers, I just simply haven't seen a lot of video of the receivers. I saw George Pickens catch a couple passes. Anyone can look good without a defense and in shorts. We've seen this a million times. We've seen receivers that come in and just look fantastic. Heck, we have seen receivers come into training camp and make the highlight reel catches in camp the entire time. I'll give you an example. In 2021, now that training camp was not at Latrobe. It was at Heinz Field. We know this. 
It was one, I love saying his name. He just got released. It made me real sad. Rico Bussi. Everyone talked about, I believe it was Dwayne Haskins had a really good connection with Rico Bussey, and they he was making some tremendous catches, and everyone said, oh man, look at this guy wearing number 84, he's really doing something, wow, like Rico, this Bussey guy could maybe turn some heads, and he did find his way to the practice squad, the expanded practice squad, but it just goes to show you that there's so much more to this than just flashing here or there. And you got to do the little things. Pedigree matters with wide receivers. And when I say pedigree, it's when were you drafted, if you were drafted. It's not that if you were undrafted, you have no shot. It's that it's it's a really uphill climb. And so with the wide receivers, if you're ever watching a, a any footage from practice at OTAs and you see someone that's really looking good, pump the brakes a little bit, understand, can't overreact. Okay, the last thing. And this might be the one that I saved till the end on purpose because I did and it has nothing to do with a hierarchy positions performance it has everything to do with quotes so it's important for me to make this very clear to the listeners it has been about two years probably a little bit over two years since reporters were allowed in the locker rooms and they had open locker room access what we all had the last two plus years were the Zoom calls where every single reporter, and I was on some of those calls uh, two-plus years ago uh, when everything was shut down, and you had the similar questions. Everyone was getting the same answers. Everyone got the same transcripts, and so the information that you received from those was just very bland. It also helped the Pittsburgh Steelers organization in a way with the public relations team. They could control who was available. If they had a player that they knew might might say some things they probably shouldn't say, they're not going to make them available as much as, say, a Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward is just like Mike Tomlin. He's going to give you everything that you want to hear. He's not going to say anything controversial. He's just going to roll through that press conference, and there's a reason why he won the Chief Award for the best, the best relationship with the media. But two years is a long time, and some of these players – Go back to the Chase Claypool class of 2020. They have never had reporters in the locker room with microphones in their face at the NFL level. It's different. There's more coverage. This isn't college. And so you have these players that have been saying things, and they're not saying anything bad. It's not like they're bashing teammates, but they're saying things that I guarantee you the PR department is pulling them aside this weekend and saying, hey, we need to have a meeting. Because I need to talk to you about what you're saying, what you should say, and what you shouldn't say. Because what you're saying right now is not what you should say. Kendra Green and Kevin Dotson are are probably the two that when I read the quotes that they're giving, it's just like, yikes. And they're talking about Mitch Trubisky being QB1. They're talking about Kendrick Green. And then I think this Kevin Dotson, he's just like the rumor mill right now. And there, there comes a point, and this is something I uh, James Daniels, you know, recently acquired via free agency. And he's a veteran. He's in his fifth year. He's on his second contract. He's been here, but done that. You would expect him to eventually say, look, man, but we can't be saying this stuff. And, and you can tell that Daniels is a veteran. And you can tell that Mason Cole has experienced this before. These young guys, these quotes, I'm not saying that they're inaccurate. I'm not saying that they're wrong for saying what they say. 
What I'm I'm suggesting is that we as fans have to remember that they might be answering questions in a way where we, the fans, are going to read a lot into it. So when yeah, let me give you an example. When Kevin Dotson says, oh, yeah, Mitch was QB1 today. Every single outlet's going to write, oh, Mitch Trubisky, QB1, QB1, Kevin Dotson confirmed. Because remember, the media cannot write what they see. A player has to confirm it. So I think it was last season, before the season began, when Chase Claypool and Minka Fitzpatrick got into the fight, they cannot write that in practice. That's when the fight happened. They can't write that unless a player says, oh, yeah, they got into a scuffle. Ah, confirmed by so-and-so. So this is different for these players. But we as fans need to keep in mind that sometimes players will say something thinking that they're answering the question when in reality it's just going to lead to bigger problems. So I would expect the PR department to kind of corral this a little bit. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Roberto Clemente. Now, if you're not a Pirates fan, that's fine. You should know who Roberto Clemente is. If not, go look him up. Hell of a ball player, I'll put it that way. But he was actually labeled a complainer early in his career, in the early 60s. And that would be because the reporters in Pittsburgh, you know, Roberto Clemente would come off the field from warm-ups, and they'd say, hey, Roberto, how you feeling today? Now, he, he did not understand that this was just the media just asking him a general question about how are you feeling? And he, so he would tell them, oh, my, my back hurts a little bit and my knee's kind of been bothering me a little bit. He didn't understand it. And so he was labeled a complainer, that he got a guy that whined about things a lot, when in reality he just didn't get it. And I feel like Kevin Dotson will learn, and so will Kendrick Green, that you can answer the question without giving too much information. I'm not complaining, by the way, about this. I think it's great. I think it's fun. But I'm just saying that we don't want to read too much into this because of the players, the way that they're answering questions. All right. So to sum this all up, let's curtail the OTA overreaction, okay? Now, in the second half of this show, I'm going to talk a lot about the new general manager hire of Mr. Omar Khan. You're, you might be a little leery. Stay tuned. We'll talk about it right after this Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half. There's no interview today or anything like that, and it's just me. My random thoughts started with all these things about general manager Omar Khan being hired, and then all of a sudden I thought to myself, well, I should probably just do the whole second segment on this. <laughs> That's really where we went. And my notes, I just kept going and going and going and going and going, and so I'm just, I'm just going to do that. Second half, it's all going to be about the new GM hire, which a lot of Steeler fans are not that excited about. They're just kind of on the fence. Omar Khan, he's not the personnel guy. Omar Khan is not the football guy. He's not the scout. He's not the personnel director. Now, for anyone that thinks that Omar Khan is not a quote-unquote football guy, understand that he actually started his career in 1998 with the New Orleans Saints and did a lot in the football personnel department. In 2001 is when he came to Pittsburgh. And they started him in the personnel department, and then he eventually worked his way into different titles and things like of that nature. But 
I, I, I keep on thinking about this, and I tried to think about a way to analyze because I, I with Omar Khan, there is this caveat. It hasn't been made official yet, by the way, at least not when this is being recorded, that they're going to hire, they being the Pittsburgh Steelers, are going to hire Andy Weedle of the Philadelphia Eagles, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, to be the assistant GM, and he is going to be the guy that is going to be the personnel guy. So you're going to have Omar Khan wearing the GM hat, and you're going to have Weedle, who's wearing the assistant GM hat, and they're going to work in concert together. Kind of like a brains and brawn, you know? And I think this can work. And people might say, well, but Jeff, the GM's got to be the football guy. He has to know what I, that is. And so I, I finally came up with a comparison. For all those NFL draft people, you love comps, right? You love the comps. So my comparison was to me. Ed Behind the Steel Curtain. So here I am. I am the senior editor at the website. Now, I am kind of the one that oversees everything. Podcast side, the editorial side, it, it, that's kind of what I oversee everything. Now, for me, I am not an X's and O's guy. You listen to my podcast for the last almost three years, you know I'm not an X's and O's guy. I'm a commentary guy. I'm a news guy. I'm not an X's and O's guy. But does that mean that I couldn't bring in people that really do X's and O's well? Yes, enter Jeffrey Benedict, enter Kevin Smith. Okay, well, wait a second. He just brought these guys in. They're doing a great job with the film rooms and all this stuff. I love those articles. They're doing that job, and they do it very, very well, in case you haven't noticed. And so then on the podcast side, well, we got a lot. We have a lot of podcasts. We need someone that can kind of organize things. We need someone that can really hone in their focus and really do that job well. Okay. And enter Brian Anthony Davis, podcast producer. He's the one that's in charge of a lot of the audio, the back end stuff, finding guests for certain shows. That's his job. Do the job. And he does the job. And then it's like, well, we need someone that's going to be like the number two. Someone that's going to be there to, to be on call, to do the breaking news, to do those the, the, the tough times like in June and July when there's not a lot of news, to still write the articles, to still provide the content. Who's going to do that? Well, that's Dave Schofield. Dave Schofield may, might be, if I'm Omar Khan, he's Andy Weedle. And so you have to understand that just because Omar Khan might not be the, the stereotypical idea of a general manager at the NFL level, just because Omar Khan might not be what you portray as a general manager at the NFL level does not mean that he cannot run a functional system in a personnel office that can still be ridiculously successful. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like. Like I said, that Weedle hire has not been made public. But Omar Khan's going to speak today, Friday, at 10 a.m., Eastern time, so Pittsburgh time, I should say. If you're going to, you can watch it, stream it on the website. You can watch on your phone, on Twitter, whatever, YouTube even. Check that out. But again, that brains and brawn might really work. They, they might really work. And also, a couple other facts here. Do not, and I repeat, do not, as a fan listening to this podcast, do not pretend that you know what Omar Khan can and cannot do. I've never met the guy. I might be able to pick him out of a lineup based on the fact that I've written enough articles about him the past six months, six weeks even, that I could probably say, oh, yeah, I know that guy. That's Omar Khan because I've seen his face enough. you got to insert the image into the article. But don't pretend like you're here and you know, oh, well, Omar Khan wasn't the best guy for the job. Oh, really? How is that? Is it? Oh, well, it's because he does the salary cap stuff. Okay. 
And what else does he do? Oh, that's it? I'm going to quote, uh, I, th- I think it was Greg Benevin on what Yin's talking about this week. Check that podcast out. Fantastic. And he said, some people think that Omar Khan does nothing but sit in a room with a giant calculator staring at it. That's what people think. So this guy's been with the team for 21 years, people. He's been with the Steelers for 21 years. And in case you didn't know this, and I wish I knew who said this, um, I think it might have been, goodness, it was either Field Yates or Albert Breer. I'm going to go with Albert Breer. That when Bill Cowher retired, if you remember, there were a lot of teams that were trying to coax Bill Cowher out of retirement shortly after he left the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were saying, like, hey, what about this job? And who would do this? Bill Cowher said that if he was going to coach again, he was going to take Omar Khan with him as the GM. He That was his choice. He didn't say he was going to try to steal Kevin Colbert. He said he would get Omar Khan to be his GM. And that's, I think, that to me, that's really, really important in this scheme. And think about that. Because it, it, that's a guy that's not only been with the team for 21 years, but made enough of an impression on Bill Cowher that if he were to start over, he would be his GM. And I think it's also important that the Steelers do this GM thing a little bit different. Kevin Colbert wasn't even the GM, the general manager, for a long time. He was hired in 2000 as, quote, the director of football operations, not hired as the GM. The Steelers didn't even have a GM until he was named Kevin Colbert. In 2010, he was named the general manager. And then in 2016, he was given the vice president tag along with the general manager. So it's only been 12 years that Kevin Colbert has technically been considered the general manager. So when you think about it in that context, we're literally just talking about a a label. We are talking about a title. And this is something, again, I'll compare it to Behind the Steel Curtain. So when Dave Schofield and I, when I came back after two months away, Dave's like, I think we should just be co-editors. Okay, that's fine. I'm not big into titles. And then after a few weeks, he goes, Jeff, I, I feel like you should be, it should be clear that you're like a notch above. Oh, whatever. I don't care. So that's where the senior editor came in. This is just a label. If if he were hired, if Kevin, if Omar Khan was hired with the same label that Kevin Colbert was in 2000 as the director of football operations, would you still be as upset? And if you're someone that's not upset, then everything I'm saying rings true for you. But if you're listening to this and you weren't that crazy about the hire, again, ask yourself if you found out the news at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that Omar Khan, the Steelers' new director of football operations, would you still be upset? No, I wouldn't. I'm not upset with him being the GM. Let me get that out of the way right now. I'm not upset at all. When I saw Omar Khan was the hire, I thought to myself, if anyone knows this guy, it was very similar to the Kenny Pickett thing. If anyone knows what this guy's capable of, well, it's the Steelers that have been there with him for 21 years. The guy stayed for 21 years. Now, a lot of questions about Brandon Hunt. Is he going to stay on? Look, these things will be ironed out probably in the near future. I'm guessing by the end of July, by the time the Steelers report to training camp at Latrobe, they will probably have the whole hierarchy of the front office done. But as of now, all you have to focus on is Omar Khan. And let's also not forget the last thing I want to say about this before I go to my heart-to-heart. Omar Khan had a flipping fantastic offseason. You cannot say 
that Omar Khan might have been, this might have been his best work ever. When you're talking about Mitch Trubisky's contract, James Daniels' contract, even someone like Chooks Okorafor, where when he signed that three-year deal, people were just flipping out. Oh my gosh, how are you going to pay this guy so much? He's making more than Daniels. I don't understand it. But when you saw the details, when you read the fine print, what did you see? You saw a constructed contract that was really a one-year prove-it deal. That's Omar Khan. That's Omar Khan. He had a great offseason. You look about the Levi Wallace deal, the Miles Jack deal. He knows what he's doing, and I have I trust that if he can do that, he can piece together a team, assemble a team, whether Weedle's on that or not, that is A-plus quality, a seamless transition, won't miss a beat. That's what I think. I'm excited. This is a new Steelers era, and it is weird. It is intriguing. It is exciting. And like I said, it's weird. But still, let's finish this out on the heart-to-heart like we always do on Fridays. So I think it was uh, last weekend maybe or maybe earlier in the week. I think it was last weekend. I woke up, and I was like, you know what? I love my ride-or-die crew. You all are the best. I say that as much as I can. I put out a tweet like, hey, Ryder Die Crew, what's going on? How's everyone feeling? And Brian Haynes, loyal listener of the program, said, oh, I woke up in a bad attitude. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this as my heart-to-heart on Friday. It's like everyone sometimes, we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We all get to that point where we're just like, oh, is the week over yet? You know, I mean, all this stuff. I want you to understand that we can choose our attitude. Everyone has probably gone across someone's path that you're thinking to yourself, boy, that is a miserable person. You don't want to be that person. In every interaction you have throughout your day, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your neighborhood, at the grocery store, I don't care where you are, every interaction, think about that being an impression on someone. I walk around and there's times where we're in lows and we have five kids in tow, sometimes two dogs as well. And there's people that you look at them and they don't smile they don't, you know, they, they just aren't kind. They aren't nice. And I'm just thinking, these people must be freaking miserable. Like You choose your attitude. So when you go into that situation, you smile, you wave, choose your attitude, and you will appreciate it. You know, so, someone does this really well in my family. And it's someone I wanted to say a little special shout out to one of my children. It's my second oldest daughter, so our third child, Elizabeth, Ellie as we call her. It's her birthday today. It is her birthday. I cannot believe she's turning nine years old. She is. She got her stubbornness from me. I will tell you that right now. And she also got her sense of humor from me. Uh, she is dry. She is sarcastic. And she knows how to cut to the flipping core. And it is something that uh, a lot of people do not understand or take. But she is also a great little kid. And she has one heck of a golf swing. Um, all my kids have very, very good golf swings for their age. She really does beautiful swing. We go golfing all the time. I love her to death. I want to say happy birthday to Elizabeth May. Ellie, happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. Know that I love you more than life itself. Happy birthday. And anyone else that's out there that might share a birthday, my wife's birthday is this weekend. She will be so mad if she knows that I'm saying this on the air. My wife's birthday is also over this weekend. And 
happy birthday to my lovely wife who puts up with me every single day. I'm not sure how she does it, but she does. She's a saint. So there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I did. I really got some stuff out there. Uh, We'll be back on Monday uh, for a Monday morning conversation. I am... Ooh, I'm excited for this one. This is another BTSC member. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm working on a former player, actually. And that's going to be in the future. But still, this is a BTSC member. Have not had him on before. And, oh, man, this is going to be a good one. There's there's going to be some questions asked, and I want some answers. So make sure you tune in on Monday. And you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend and a great Memorial Day weekend for those in the United States of America. I will be back on Monday either way, so make sure you check it out. Have a great weekend. Go soon.